Why don't you care about baseball? I don't. I, I honestly just think that uh, I've just been poisoned by. Boy, that sounds passive. Makes me sound like a pansy. But I, honestly, it just feels like dealing with maybe contending and getting so close for so long in Cleveland and just having the rug kind of constantly pulled out from underneath of us. Uh, when we get there, when we get close to being able to legitimately contend for more than a year, you know, the, the players get sold or traded. Uh, we're always constantly finding the new batch, and then we're a couple years away, and then we get close, and then it happens again. Uh, I mean, it just it's just been a pain here in Cleveland, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, it's it's just not that much fun. And then it all being an Indians fan here does lately is is lead you to arguments about Wahoo and the name and all that stuff. So then you're constantly being reminded if you're on social media or anything anyway about, you know, which people you know, um, you know, think that that shit is okay. And that's always kind of aggravating. So it just feels like it feels like it's a lot of it's a lot of burden to be an Indians fan, honestly. And then baseball for me personally, is just the least of the least exciting and compelling of the major sports to me. Yeah, I uh, I agree. It's not the most compelling sport, but I mean, I still like baseball <clears throat> more than the other two. Excuse me, just because I can uh, sit outside in the summer, drink a bunch of beer with friends. You know, it's like the one sporting event that uh, event that you go to where you don't have to pay attention to everything, every single play. And you can kind of socialize a little bit. Yeah, like I compartmentalize that. I would rather go to a baseball game than a football game at First Energy Stadium because baseball's in the summer, like you said. It's social. It's warm. You can hang out. You, you know, someday we'll be able to sit next to each other and have a beer again. Um, you know, and football is cold, and it's cold on the way there in Cleveland, and it's not a dome, and the stadium kind of sucks. I mean, it's a big pain-in-the-ass experience, you know. And so, yes. I like baseball in that all the things you like about it, I agree. I love going to the ballpark. I love hanging out. love doing that stuff. But um, this, the game itself, like the sport, isn't fun for me to watch. I enjoy watching um, like Premier League soccer more than I like watching a baseball game. Really? Yeah. I mean, the, the game is better. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not going to sound like I'm going to buy a scarf or a banner or whatever the hell people call those things they drape themselves in when they go down to see the crew play or whatever but um but yeah i mean if i'm sitting at home and i'm hanging out and there's a soccer game on like a premier league game you know with top level type athletes or uh, an indians game i would probably watch the soccer game to be honest okay so why do you hate the hall of fame it's not that i hate the hall of fame it's just that halls of fame like the I hate the the way the Baseball Writers Association of America voters handle their responsibility um, to elect players to the Hall of Fame. And honestly, I think that's another reason why I get turned off from from baseball as a whole. It's just because all the stuff around it bothers me. The unwritten rules bullshit bothers me so much. Uh, the The way that the the league for so many years tried to keep personality out of the game. 
the way that the baseball writers lord over the legacy of the game. I mean, baseball is so much more complicated and uh, involved and compelling and like all the things that I talk about liking and wanting, baseball has that, but it gets scrubbed out of its history uh, by by a bunch of old white gatekeepers, and it's it's aggravating. So, what do you think about Chris Schilling's uh, desire to be removed from the ballot? I guess okay. So let's actually hang on before you do that. Okay. Do you think it matters that Kurt Schilling hates everybody or whatever his issue is? Like well, to matter matters to the Hall of Fame. No. So, do you think he should be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Okay. Now, now carry on. I mean, look, I, you and I know each other well enough by now for you to know that I, I think Kurt Schilling is an absolutely shitty person, and I, you know, I can't stand his politics or his views or his opinions or any of that stuff. Um, uh, if if it, you know anyone listening is new to me, know that Kurt Schilling sucks. Um, but he should be in the baseball hall of fame. I mean, he should be, you know, he's a, he's a, he's owns, you know, five or six huge postseason moments. Right. I mean, he's not one of those guys who, you know, just compiled stats or wins or was, he's not, you know, Greg Maddox was great beyond great for, you know, it's feels like 150 years. Every, my entire youth and teens, and I don't, I don't remember when he retired. I don't know how long his career is, but it feels like Greg Maddox was the best thing in the world forever, you know. Uh, but he never got that World Series. Um, Kurt Schilling is kind of the opposite of that, and I think there's room in the Hall of Fame for somebody who has all those big moments, and Schilling absolutely does. Um, so it matters, you know, who and what Kurt Schilling is right now matters to the world, right? It, it matters to your sensibilities, to your fandom, whether you like him or not, but it should not matter uh, on whether or not he got elected into the Hall of Fame based on, you know, having a deserving career of greatness. I mean, it's it's just the way it is. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, you know, you know, the Halls of Fame are for accomplishments and achievements on the field, not off the field, and you know, I know a lot of people always talk about, you know, guys like OJ and Pete Rose and, you know, those guys in the Black Sox. And, you know, I, and I know this isn't the same, but, you know, if they're good players, they deserve to be in and, you know, keep the politics and everything else out of it. And it's almost like the, the baseball writers have nothing to do other than to, to hold people accountable for their outside the field um, views or whatever. But see, here's the, here's the thing that bothers me. or the, here, Here's where, like, I have a disconnect from the people who say, you know, elect him into the Hall of Fame and leave the politics out of it versus elect him into the Hall of Fame and keep the politics in it. Be honest about it. Talk about that stuff. Well, I, well, I mean, sure, but I don't, but I don't, I don't need to see like, you know, on his bus, like, you know, Kurt Schilling, you know, sure. all this other stuff and, you know, noted hater of Democrats or whatever. Like that doesn't, that's not relevant to me. Well, that's fair. I, I agree with that, but I, you know, it, it's the same issue and it, it, it's been beaten into the ground and everyone hates hearing about it, but it's the same issue I have with the steroid guys. Elect them into the Hall of Fame and right. talk about it. Exactly. Right. I mean, and that's different because it's, and I hate this word, 
cheating, right? It's cheating, I guess. So that is that affects the outcome of the game. But what Schilling's issue is, or whatever, has nothing to do with the game. No. At all. And so as far as him wanting to be removed from the ballot, I would I would say no. I, I mean, if, if I were, I don't, I don't even know who adjudicates that sort of thing. If I were on the, the BBWAA board or the Hall of Fame board or, you know, whatever, um, whatever the name of the institution is that's going to that's gonna get that letter that Kurt Schilling wrote and have to deal with it, I'd say no. I mean, this isn't, you don't get to choose that. This isn't some sort of, um, you, you know, we're not ruled by the people who are, who are elected into these halls, right? It's, it's, we choose people to put in the hall of fame and you're in the hall of fame. Maybe you don't go to the weekend. Maybe you, you know, have a, you do a big boycott or whatever it is. Like he, Schilling can do whatever he wants. If he's, he's on the ballot next year and he gets elected as he should be like, whatever, he can do whatever he wants. And it's going to be awful. And I'm going to hate it. And I'm going to hate him. And I mean, when it comes down to it, that's that's not the criteria for enshrinement, right? I mean, and I don't think it should be in any of the you know halls of fame. I mean, football or basketball, like it's on field achievements. I mean, I get it. People are people are people. You know, they're gonna make mistakes or do stupid things or say stupid things. But I mean, you know, if you're the all time leader in X, Y, or Z, then that's what you are. It is what it is. Honestly, as as much you know, we're in Cleveland, and and we hear you know we're back and forth with a lot of people talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and. You know, some people here get annoyed by how deeply the national narrative ties, you know, rock music and the rock hall to what's going on in Cleveland. And, you know, there's, so we're kind of always in this rock and roll hall of fame um, argument bubble around here. Even if we're not arguing about it, it it's close. It's, it's always simmering. Like at some point there's going to be a logo for something that's a guitar and it'll all start again. Um, but I do, I'm coming to the realization that as you walk around the hall, rock and roll hall of fame, and you look at all the, the bands and the, the singers and songwriters and producers and, you know, everyone who is enshrined there. Um, at first I was very, you know, oh, you should only have the very biggest and the best and the, the hall of fame should be, you know, such a high bar to get into. When you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like you see all kinds of bands and executives and advertising people and market. Like there's all kinds of people in there who are just integral to the biggest stories in music. And let's just do that with everything. I, it, it, because the Hall of Fame is a museum about the story of your sport. And let's just tell those stories. And, and you know, Kurt Schilling's part of the story. So is Barry Bonds and Clemens and Sosa and all those guys. Right. Um. What else? What else is going on? Is there anything going on? Are we going to talk about the stock market? We can. W- would you? There have been arguments you, for are, the past three or four days about the whole like, would you trade Baker Mayfield for Deshaun Watson thing? Can I? Can I? Um, like have thirty seconds to kind of. Yeah, you can have a minute. I don't. I don't. I don't even want this to take a minute. Although probably will because I talk too much. Um. Mm-hmm. The Browns are going to mm-hmm. trade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Browns aren't going <laughs> to trade for Deshaun Watson. So, like, on one hand, let's stop talking about it because it's just not going to happen. But on the other hand, it's, it's so weird to me that people like the cult of Baker is. It's a no-brainer to keep Baker, and Desha- Deshaun isn't that good, and you know we shouldn't 
we shouldn't even think about it. Like, why wouldn't you think about it? I, I mean, right. you absolutely have to do your due diligence on it. Now, you know, the, the price tag is going to be too high and Watson has a no trade clause and he wants to go to Miami and he's going to end up in Miami and that's going to be a whole lot of fun and it's going to piss Jeff off. Um, but I'm like, I'm, you have to do your due diligence on that trade and it's not going to happen. So just shut up about it. But man, the, that, the Baker cult, I mean, they're just like QAnon believers in Cleveland, people who are just tied up, so tied up in Baker Mayfield. Why are they so tied up into him? I, because he played really well for a, an 11, what, I guess a 11 win team or whatever, went to the playoffs, got a, I mean, he, he's good. And he turned a lot of skeptics around this last season. I was one of them, by the way. You, you and I both did. You, know, one of our other conversations was titled "Apologies to Baker Mayfield." For God's sakes, um, right. but that doesn't mean you don't do your due diligence on a on a chance to get Deshaun Watson. Right. Yeah, I mean, you'd be crazy not to. It'd be malfeasance for you to not do it. Absolutely, would be absolutely. Can you spell malfeasance? Um. M-A-L-F-E-A-S-A-N-C-E. Yeah, I think that's right. It's the last part that would get me. Oh, is it an E-N-C-E? or S-A-N? It's an E or A, I'm not sure. Oh, let me look it up. Now I'm mad. Hang on. That's pretty good, though. No, it's an A. Oh, so you were right. Yeah, man. That's me. Good job. I'm like a... Spelling bee guy. Do they even have? They don't even have the spelling bee now because of COVID. Yeah, maybe virtual. So tell me about your other podcast. Oh man! So we launched a project with Alan Fee. You, Alan, um, you know Alan I've heard of well. Him. Yeah, I've heard of him. Uh, he's uh, anyone not listening. He did Cleveland radio for God. He was on 104, had a morning show for 15 years, I think. Um, and I launched a project with him, and uh, he's in Seattle, and a guy named Narang Va, who is a uh, cigar sales executive based in Los Angeles, um, but he runs all up and down the Pacific Northwest and the West Coast and everything, selling cigars and going to Vegas and going to, I mean, it's it's really, it's a nice life. Um, but, I mean, it, it's not that great because we found out he, he lives out of a hotel so often, he actually has like you know, Home Depot garage racking in his bedroom, keeping all of his humidors and shit. So that, that, that looked weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing a, it's three guys in three cities. It's a podcast with me, Alan and, and Narang, and we are slowly rolling out a concept. We had, we did a soft open, a soft launch last or this week on Wednesday. Um, and we're getting there. I mean, it's going to take a little bit to get good. You know that, uh, but we'll get there. Alan's a radio guy. He knows all the stuff. He knows everything except for like, you know, what a podcast is, which is kind of funny. Um, but we'll get him there. He'll, he'll get me good. I'll, I'll teach him how to not be an old man and, uh, the wrong, just good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's happening to me too. I was talking about that. We were talking about that in the Slack, how just gotten old and it's just harder to force myself to promote stuff and to use IG and to use Twitter the way I used to. You know what I mean? I do. Unfortunately, I do. We we are getting old and the tech and the kids are are always the same age, you know? Yeah, it's like it's it isn't that it isn't that the tech has outpaced my understanding of it. It's just outpaced my desire to 
use it the way you have to use it to grow an audience. Right. Like we, we grew a hell of an audience back in the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just, I know all the stuff to say. I like, I know the things it's, it's just hard to get yourself off the couch, uh, metaphorically speaking and actually do it. Yeah. And it's different now. Like you said, I mean, it's, everything's different now. You're right. The media or the tech and everything is the same, but you know, how you use it and who you talk to and how you talk to them and all that stuff is just all changed, you know, so, so differently. Well, I think one of the things that changed the most for me, and, and honestly, it's one of the, one of the reasons why I was comfortable leaving kind of the network um, that we had when we did, right? And then uh, why, why it's been so hard for me to do things the way that I, I kind of used to do them is I don't have an appetite for being declarative the way that I used to. You know, a, a thing would happen and I would have an opinion and I would hammer it. And whether it was, you know, arguing on a Twitter thread or writing 2,000 words or whatever it is, like I had the declaration, I was going to put some thoughts together about it, and that's it. And it was out. Um, I, don't, I don't see things um, as cut and dry now as I used to. So it's harder for me to put together that uh, real declarative vibe. And, and that's, that's what builds you the audience, right? And it, it's harder for me to do that naturally. I just don't, I don't see life that way now. Yeah. And it's also hard to I mean, get people to, I don't know, recognize you, you know, like you could put something out and it'd be great. But if they go, who the hell's Josh Wagner? Right, they'll go. Well, this isn't good because I don't know who Josh Wagner is. Yeah, and it could be great. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, you, you know, you, I think you really have the, to glom that, on to somebody who's already popular nowadays. Right, which is unfortunate because you know if you had a blog that was pretty good and you know you put it up and it got passed around, then you know in a year or two years or three years you'd have something going. But now it's much harder to do that. Yeah, well, it's because every everybody has a. Doing it. Yeah, everybody. I was just about to say everybody has a blog, right? Well, and remember, I how long it wasn't that long ago. I was looking at a like a live feed on YouTube of a show of a a small show about the Cleveland Browns, and it, I mean it was okay. It wasn't particularly anything that was different than anything or anywhere else, right? But uh, all the production stuff, all the equipment. I mean everything. Like you remember when that stuff used to be hard, right? And yeah, it's easy now, man. Oh my God, it's so easy. And, I can put that up in ten minutes. Yep, and and you can you can really look like you know what you're doing. So now the playing field is as such that it's it's so much harder to, I guess, easily spot. And I don't know, imposter is a terrible word for it because you know people who are trying it's not that they're imposters, but it's it's so hard to easily spot someone who isn't likely to know what's going on or to be or to, to have any um, good additions to the to the local narrative that you get to the point where you just don't want to pay attention to anybody. Right. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to see all this. It's hard to, there's so many people out there. You know, I think, I don't know if you sent me the link to a, a Browns podcast I saw on YouTube a couple of weeks ago, and you're right, it looked like it was a professional 
you know, like it was Channel Five or Channel Eight or whatever. Yeah, and, and, and everything. You know, oh, go on. Go ahead. No, I was everything no, 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 we saw on that screen cost two hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the on-screen stuff. You know, the lower thirds and the graphics and all that. Like that's all. I mean, that's easy. It's free now. It's crazy, and it's you know, it's funny. Like, like I watch a lot of YouTube. YouTube Premium is the best thing I ever paid for in my life. Like, I don't know why I didn't buy it five years ago. Um, because I hate ads. So now I watch YouTube all the time. Um, but it's funny, like you see some of the best YouTubers on YouTube, obviously, and you see where they started, the equipment they started at and where they are now. And it's, you know, how they grow. But some of these people now, they just, they focus more on looking good yeah. instead of the content. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that, you know, that hurts them. Like for me, you know, this, like, I know that if I listen to a podcast and the audio is not good, I'm turning the podcast off. I don't care. Who's on it? I don't care if Barack Obama's on it, Donald Trump, Biden. I don't care. I'm not. I'm not listening. So, like for me, and you know this, like I said, I've always focused on you have to have the best sound, mm-hmm. you know. And these other people are worried about having the best video, and the content's not that great. And that's great that the video's good, but nobody's really watching you because you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, you, know, I, you can't I agree be completely. basement guy. You can't be basement guy who watches the Browns on Sunday and then comes up on you know Sunday afternoon and talks for 45 minutes and has no idea what the all 22 is or mm-hmm. any of that other stuff that goes on the NFL or NBA or major league baseball. Like it's, it's hard to stand out now because all the big, all the big guys are doing podcasts now too. Yeah. All of them. Well, and there's a whole lot there. There's less room in, um, in the niches now for, you know, local people. It, I, I remember, very clearly where there were there were people here in Cleveland who were doing statistical analyses that you legitimately like almost nowhere else was doing and you, you know you had national guys some national people were doing it but it, it wasn't like everybody had a podcast like they do now so when we wanted like in-depth um, statistical analysis of something going on in the NBA like it was legit we would go to the people here who were doing that but now you just listen to Zach Lowe's podcast. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like you said, I mean, the, the, you know, everybody has a podcast now every, from every aspect and every angle. And it's, it's, it's the market saturated, Yeah, you know, and to get, you know, to even, I mean, you know, to get a hundred people to consistently listen to your podcast has always been like the number that everybody shoots for in the industry. Mm-hmm. But now when everybody's got a podcast, there's only so many hours. Plus, nobody drives to work anymore, so that cuts down on podcast listening hours. You know, and if the content's not great, and how do you market yourself? Because if you want to market yourself, now you really have to put money into it. Yeah. You know, to advertise on Facebook and Twitter and, um, you know, wherever else people advertise. Or you have to join a podcast network with a bunch of other people. Or you got to get a, you know, a big guest who can promote, you know, that one podcast and hope somebody, you know, accidentally hit subscribe and they fall in love with your podcast and spread it that way. Yeah, I that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> that's, that's what we're doing here. And that's what uh, I'm doing with uh, Fee and Narang. Like, and I honestly, I think, I think we'll get there. I, I think the hardest part for me, and especially the hardest part for me in these conversations with you, and it was, it was the weakness that I always had, was just getting over that hurdle of I'm old and I want to do it differently and I don't know how to do it differently. Um, I think I'm figuring out how to do this differently and it isn't technically any different. It's, it's emotionally different. And I, I, I think I'm getting there. So I think that, um, I think there's a little future. 
Yeah. What else we got? Um, man, I wanted to talk about that all that college football stuff that you and and uh, uh, that you talk about Seth. in the Slack with Seth. I, I just I don't. Uh, but I mean, obviously, we're already almost to the end of the end of our conversation yeah. today. Well, the the long and the short of it is. You know, Tennessee is probably one of the greatest college football programs of all time and pretty much has been a free fall for the past 15 years. Um, and they brought back their head coach or Hall of Fame head coach to be the athletic director. And he hired a coach who pretty much fell flat on his face and apparently was giving recruits money in McDonald's bags. Loved that, so, by the way. What a yeah, great story. That's, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I always tell people, just do it in Chick-fil-A bags. Or no, one will, no one will check the Christians. Um, <laughs> um yeah, so they fired him, and they brought in this guy from uh, Central Florida, and guess what he did? He brought his coach in from Central Florida. Like, he didn't even really go shopping. He says he did, but I don't think he did. Of course so, not. Yeah. It's actually the first time that that's happened in a really long time, surprisingly. So See, I don't – you've got you've, you've to know. Like, you've got to know if you hire an AD from you, – you've got to talk to him about that. Like, you have to say you can't hire your guy from UCF. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about this before, and I know you have to go, but I'll make this quick. It, Urban Meyer and Nick Saban aren't walking through the door, right? Nope. I mean, it's just statistically it's not going to happen. So you have to find someone who's going to get you to a spot that you're comfortable in for the next five years. And you have to understand that you're probably not going to play in the national championship game. And if you're in the SEC, you're probably not going to play in the SEC championship game. So you have to be realistic about your expectations. And as you know, and I know, and everybody else knows, college football, for whatever reason, that just doesn't happen. People just aren't reasonable with their expectations. Yeah. When you said at the very beginning, Tennessee's one of the best jobs forever and ever and ever, and they've been in free fall for 15 or 20 years, like that, they're not one of the best jobs anymore. It's just not. It's just, it's just, it's Texas. It's a job that used to be great, and it is just not anymore. Like, hey, look, being a coal miner was a job that used to be great. It is not anymore. And, right. you know, same with Coach of the University of Tennessee. Yeah. You think you think coaching the Knicks is one of the best jobs in the NBA? No. Well, mm, mm. See what I mean? But. Living in the past. No, I don't think it has anything to do with the past. I think it has everything to do with the money in the, in, in the NBA and in New York's market particularly. I don't think being the coach of the Knicks is good for anything other than having the ability to put yourself in a position to do better at your next job. So I think being the coach of the Knicks in the NBA is probably still a big deal, but it's not. I mean, it's the same thing as being the coach of UT. If you get to UT you know, and you win 10 games for four or five seasons, then you got a shot at, going somewhere else that actually is going to compete. And the same thing with the Knicks. You go to the Knicks and you're good for four or five seasons, then you got a shot at coaching the Lakers. Right. Yeah, I think if you're good at the Knicks for four or five seasons, you've actually done, you know, pretty well. Yeah, but you're still not going to, it's still not going to be a premier seat. Yeah, you've done well. You're going to make a lot of money because. Well, I think if, go ahead. Well, you're going to make a lot of money because you're in that market, but that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't mean you're going to compete. Really? Not with how far are the Knicks away? Not with James Dolan as an owner. The, the Knicks are an owner away from competing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> He's not giving that shit up. So you know. 
<laughs> or four and a half billion dollars. He's not giving that up. No, not at all. So yeah, I mean the the talent on the floor sometimes is good, sometimes it's bad. The coach sometimes is good, sometimes it's bad. But it's the you're always an owner away from competing when you're the next. Yeah. Is that Diet Cola Black? Yeah, it's Coke Zero, by the way. And I I feel the same way about oh, the sorry. um the Cleveland baseball team, by the way, also currently. You're an owner away. Yeah. Who's he going to sell the team to? Oh, I, I'm not saying I've got a great answer for that. I don't know. Probably somebody's going to yeah. move to Nashville. So at least then yeah. I can go on about not caring about baseball in peace. <laughs> uh, what else you got going on this weekend? <sighs> there's, no, there's nothing on. Nothing. There's no football. It's just college basketball in the NBA this weekend. College basketball, I... I'm not into that anymore like I used to be either. Used to love it, but I'm not. Really this weekend I'm going to I'm I'm going to keep an eye on whether uh, Michael Jordan loses the Hornets. <laughs> no, he's not going to lose the Hornets. <laughs> Something's I'm telling you. That that's something weird is is afoot in the NBA yeah. because uh, all of those NBA billionaires, there's two there's a group of them. There's two teams. And one of them is pro hedge funds, and one of them is pro GameStop, and uh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is interesting. The whole GameStop thing is interesting. I I think Jordan will be fine. I'm sure he. I mean, he had enough money to buy the team. I mean, it only cost him 180 million, but I think at this point he's probably got you know four or five people that can advise him and oh sure you know financially he'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, as far as ownership of the team, I like I said, I'm worried about. His NASCAR team, you know, I'm sure that's fully funded for a year or two, but, you know, I wonder where that goes in the, the long term if he has to, you know, cash in some equity somewhere to get some money for the Hornets. But I think it, I think it'll be fine. I mean, I am excited to, uh, I hope this summer, like maybe the end of this summer or into the fall, if, um, if we can be in a good place nationally with vac- vaccinations and everything, I hope that this is the year that, uh, Maybe I can get to another NASCAR race or something. I'm not a big NASCAR fan, but going to the races with hot passes are just—it's just so much fun. Yeah, you need to go to the 500 one year with me. I—I I really do need to go to the 500 one year with you. Hmm. Probably not going to be this year though. That's fine. I go every year, so I'm as long as you know I don't jump off the 40 bridge. I think I'll be there. So <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> it's a long fall. <laughs> All right, man. All right. What else? That's it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I don't have anything real big going on this weekend. I don't I don't think. Uh, you know, I'm yeah. going to stare at Instagram and wonder if I should make some videos and probably not do it. You should make videos. Son of a bitch. And you should use your phone to edit those videos so they look fancy and work on that this weekend. You can do it all from your phone and then we can all see it. What do you want me to talk about? Um... The Cavs. Good. Colin Sexton's an all-star. That'll be fun. See? There you go. Producer Damien. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you. Later.